Swanson to first. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl 55 champions, led by Tom Brady. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Well, hello there and welcome. It is the OT on Four Future Considerations, episode number 99 of the podcast. And I uh, can't think of anybody who wore a 99 jersey that comes to mind right now. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, Matt, Manny, how are you guys doing? Our second show of the week. George Mikan was who I was thinking of. George Mikan wore number 99. Right. Wilf Paymont wore Wilf. number 99. Wilf, big fan of the show, too. <laughs> The huge fan. <laughs> Try to get him on for this exact episode. This would have been the one. <laughs> he, he just had to delay. He had a scheduling conflict. Ah, uh, I hate that. Maybe episode one ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well, no. There was another guy who wore ninety nine. Wayne Gretzky, I think it is. We'll try to get him for one ninety nine. We'll get him. Yeah, yeah. He's a good fan. Yeah. I know his. I know his buddy Yari. I was talking to his buddy Yari last week. Oh yeah. How how is Yari? You know what? When Yari Curry speaks, you listen. Let's <laughs> tell you that he's got he's got a voice that would possess any room he walks into, and uh, and just that uh, that that big stature of of his, anyways, the Finnish accent. Um, it was very cool, very cool to get a chance to to talk to him for a little bit. That's great. Um, how long did you? Uh get to talk to him for was it a long conversation or i got about 20 minutes out of him um the one the one disappointment was so it's all on zoom so it's uh to um uh to, to give you a backstory i do some writing for the coaches site.com we do a feature called hockey factories right now the one we're working on is, is the yokerit from from finland and he played for the yokerit he's the general manager now for the the men's program in the khl um, but the one disappointment was, of course, it's on Zoom. I pull up the Zoom. It shows connect to audio. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's here. He's here. Didn't turn on his camera. I didn't get uh, to take a screenshot. Uh, yeah. Wow. So I got the audio. I don't have the picture. And I, I can't really ask Gary Curry to turn on his camera so I can take a picture of him through my computer. <laughs> Come on, Yari. <laughs> Did you ask him what his favorite pie was? <laughs> I asked him what team he watches in the NHL and uh, – and he came back with a, you should know the answer to that. Like, yep. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. The San Jose Sharks, everybody. <laughs> he, I tell you, biggest Phil Kessel fan you'll find. Loves loves the desert dogs. Can't wait for them to come out with another uniform. Nice. Speaking of desert dogs, it was Groundhog Day the other day. Oh, look at this. <laughs> Skulls. Just... The segues are coming through, <laughs> baby. Serve, volley, spike. <laughs> I don't even know what they said. What did Willie, Sam, and Phil There's say this week? Too. There's the one out uh, um, out east, right? Oh, Scubanacity? That's Sam. Yeah, Scubanacity. Yeah, Is there four or is there three? I think there's one in Alberta. Oh, Maybe. and I yeah. I can never remember that one. There's Willie and Wyerton, who we know. Yeah. yeah, there's one in like Sacramento too, but he he just yeah. he's street. We don't we don't know what he's, <laughs> he's talking about. <laughs> we don't know what he's Phil. talking about. 
<laughs> well, either way, we got a lot of snow this week, boys. Yeah, yeah, we did for sure. So uh, whether it's going to be six more weeks of winter or an early spring, we're going to need Shannon to get out. <laughs> I can't get out of my driveway. So. Get to work. Let's go. It's It was great. It was a skating rink, and then there's a ton of snow on it now. It's unbelievable. Perfect. Oh, I looked it up. It's uh, Balzac Billy. I don't know why we didn't remember that name. Stop it. Balzac <laughs> Billy. Stop it. That's uh, real. Yeah. He needs a media relations team because not many Stop people it. know about. Did you say ball sack, Billy, or ball sack? B A L Z A C. Okay. Not ball sack. Okay. Uh, we did talk. Oh, we did, my God. We did talk about Groundhogs when our good friend J.D. Moffat was on the show a few episodes back. The no Balzac you know, I, stories. No. I, I still – because you know, we worked up there in Owen Sound together. You've covered Willie before, right, Matt? And I've done live shows from there. I still never forget the year where Mother Nature, this nice older lady, walked on the stage and told everybody that Willie was dead. <laughs> and – People were crying. Kids were crying. It was the worst day ever. (laughs) I'm on the FM station live on the live broadcast. And then I had to do call-ins for the other stations. Our good friend Dave Carr on CFOS. Let's go live to Wyerton. Manny Pava's there. Manny, what did Willie say? Nothing, Dave. He's dead. (laughs) Back to you in the studio. (laughs) Terrible! Oh man! Well, he was brown this year, so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Wyatt and Willie. He's not an albino this year, so he's not an albino oh, anymore. No. What's going on? This is awful. <laughs> Just stick him in the snow for a little bit. He'll turn white. Don't worry about it. Jeez. All Zach Billy, unbelievable. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who listened to our first show this week. If you didn't get a chance, go back listen to episode ninety-eight. Epic debate. Over pies, mm. the weekend, uh, some guy named Tom Brady. <laughs> it was a pretty good debate earlier this week. Yeah, and we also got an email from faithful listener Kiefer, who was disappointed we didn't talk about his Las Vegas Raiders and the hiring of Josh McDaniels. Oh. So obviously Kiefer is a big Raiders fan, but yeah, serious <laughs> question. Which NFL coaching hire do you think will have the biggest impact this season? Ooh, that's a good question. Yep. Rashad. Way to go, Rashad. Way <laughs> to pull that one out. Uh, I like the Brian Dable hire in the New York Giants because I think he's a great mind. Mm-hmm. Look what he did with Buffalo's offense and Josh Allen and helping to develop him. I don't think Daniel Jones, the quarterback of the Giants, is anywhere near Josh Allen. And the Giants have a few more holes. But I'm picking him because I think he can help Jones – but I also think it impacts Buffalo greatly mm-hmm. that they have to find a new offensive coordinator now. Mm-hmm. I think people are underestimating how much of an impact Dayball had with that Buffalo offense. Yeah, that that's a tough one for sure. I mean, I I think for for the Las Vegas Raiders, I think of the hires that have taken place, I think this is probably the best of the NFL hires. My concern, of course, with Josh McDaniels is if he's going to show up or if he's going to cry foul again <laughs> uh, like he was going to do in Indianapolis. He's bringing along his buddy. 
who's going to be his GM uh, that uh, was also with the Patriots. So uh, we're going to see again. This is you know one of the one of the things that's always carried Bill Belichick that that gets talked about enough is that coaching tree. There's not a ton of success that comes off of that tree. Josh McDaniels has been a head coach already. He did not do very well at that. He was hired as a head coach in Indianapolis the day before he quit and went back to to New England. He now thinks he's ready to go into Vegas with this one. I mean, in theory, this is the best hire. I don't think any of these have been blow-away wins by any stretch. But uh, Josh McDaniels, I, I I don't really buy the guy. I like the hire for the Raiders, though, because I think they have a quarterback in Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And Ma- apparently, McDaniels really likes Carr. So, you know, like, are you sold on Daniel Jones yet? No. Um, Denver doesn't even have a quarterback yet. Mm-hmm. So if the new coach, Hackett, if he can convince Aaron Rodgers to go there, then all of a sudden, you know, he's going to have a lot of success because Aaron Rodgers is that good, right? Yeah. So. And Chicago um, goes with uh, Matt uh, Eberflux, or however it said his last name, who was who was from right. the Indianapolis Colts as well. But he's a defensive guy, and it'll be interesting to see who he brings in to to work with Justin Fields. Yeah, they really need an OC, a good OC, because that offense has struggled mm-hmm. a lot lately. And this is our second episode of the week that we call the OT, where we are always joined by a special guest. And it doesn't get much more special than this one. This guy is not only one of the toughest players in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, had one of the, the toughest challenges growing up as an athlete, uh, getting started as well, a nonprofit foundation to raise support and awareness for young athletes like him living every day with type 1 diabetes. This guy is one of the toughest players in the Ontario Hockey League. Listed at six foot three and 226 pounds, the 20-year-old patrols the blue line for the Owen Sound attack. The native of St. Thomas started his career with the Guelph Storm before he was traded to Gray County as part of the Nick Suzuki deal. But hockey is not the only thing he is known for. Our guest started a nonprofit in 2019 to help raise support and awareness for young athletes living with type 1 diabetes, just like himself. Please welcome to For Future Considerations, Mark Woolley. Mark, welcome to the podcast, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, I appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you. We've been looking forward to this for a while now. And you got back on the ice this week. How did that feel? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I just uh, just got back from from the suspension. So the last week was uh, was full of of some bag skates and you know not not the most fun stuff. But I uh, got to do what you got to do to stay in shape. And uh, yeah, it was definitely good to to be out there playing with the boys last night. We won't talk about how many times you've been suspended, but you got to be pissed off that you're sitting in the stands all the time, right? Watching. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not a fun feeling, um, you know, especially <laughs> when when it's it's preventable and not an injury, like um, you know. But you know, the game happens fast, and um, you know, sometimes you gotta gotta pay for what you did. So um, yeah, it is what it is. Are you actually watching plays and uh, learning stuff, or are you just kind of zoned out, annoyed that you're not playing? <laughs> no, I, I try to I try to pay as close attention to the game as I can. Um, you know, especially being an older guy now on the team and, and in the league, um, you know, 
I try to to let my voice be heard, um, you know, as regularly as possible. So even if I'm not in the lineup, um, you know, I'm down in the dressing room, you know, talking to the boys in between periods, trying to trying to keep the spirits high and you know keep them focused. So um, yeah, I, I try to analyze the game um, as much as I can when I'm watching. Well, we we got lots to talk to you about, so much to talk to you about, and we're pumped to have you on the show. But let's focus on the fact that you're actually playing hockey again during a pandemic. How has that been? Yeah, it's it's definitely pretty special. Um, I mean, I, I I don't even want to get into you know what we were feeling. Um, you know, I think I can speak for for most guys my age that were in our scenario um, when we missed our season last year and. Um, yeah, it's a pandemic, and, and obviously there's there's things that are bigger than hockey. But um, in my perspective, I, I think you know we we could have been back to the ice a little bit sooner than we were. And um, but yeah, it's definitely good to be back out there for sure. Like, the, can maybe talk about the challenges that you faced this year? You obviously have proved that you can play during a pandemic. You just got to take a few extra precautions, right? Yeah, exactly, and and I think that's. That's one of the most uh, the most frustrating things that we had to go through last year, missing that season, is was seeing all of the the other leagues, you know, being able to find ways to to do it in a safe manner. So, um, you know, obviously very fortunate that that we were able to get back to playing this year, and you know, we're doing our best to keep everybody safe with with all the precautions. You know, we wear masks in the room and and all the the testing at the beginning of the year, and um, yeah, it's uh, very appreciative for for the ownership and, and the management and the training staff for, uh, for doing all they can to keep us players safe. And then last year when you couldn't play hockey, what did you do um, to occupy your time and uh, try not to go stir crazy? Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a whirlwind. Um, you know, it, it kind of started off with, uh, you know, you know, this, this isn't real type feeling, you know, we're, we're going to get sent home for a couple of weeks. We'll be back. We'll play the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, things just, just, kind of becoming became more of a reality and um you know once once that season got canceled it was all about you know preparing for the next and you know there wasn't a worry in the world that that we were going to miss that season um but then then you know all the lockdowns and everything it's i'm not gonna lie it was tough to to stay positive um but um you know you kind of have to hit that reset button and and just you know understand you know you're you're in it for the long run and if you want to make a career out of it you you got to stay determined and and level-headed so um i kept up with my training um as much as i could and then uh there was also a little bit of uh, a welcome to the real world type thing for me um you know just to occupy my time a little bit more rather than sitting at home i, I went out and got a landscaping job and uh 40 50 hour work weeks they're uh, they're definitely not fun so I, uh, I'll be playing hockey for as long as I can. That's for sure. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I still got some yard work to do around a new pool. I just put in Mark, you can come on down, buddy. I'll, I'll pay <laughs> yeah. You. And, and don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that opportunity. Like I learned a lot of cool life, life lessons and just, you know, being able to have, have that hands-on experience and, you know, learn the things that I did. I'm very grateful for but um, yeah, it's definitely not the same as being out there on the ice uh, doing doing what I love to do. Did you go to Slovakia? I did. Yeah. So I was. That was uh, that was after Christmas. Um, I originally told my agent like 
you know, we're just, we're just going to stick it out. Um, you know, I'm, I'm confident that, that the OHL is going to play. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was a little bit different, um, being in my scenario. Um, I was pretty worried to go like halfway across the world, you know, being away from my family. I'd never done like really had to take care of my diabetes, um, by myself like that to that extent. So like normally, you know, I'm in Guelph, I'm in Owens Sound, I can just drive home if, if anything, but uh, being across the ocean was, was a little different for sure. So I told my agent no at first. And then um, it, it just got, to be honest, it, it got bad. Like I was, I was really down and out. I was struggling with just being stuck at home for, for that long. And uh, I gave my agent a call and said, yeah, like if, if anything's possible, um, you know, I, I'm ready to make that jump. Like I, I can't just keep sitting around doing nothing anymore. So I was, I was like nine thirty in the morning one day and, um, I got a call from my agent. He woke me up and he, I was like, you know, half asleep still answering the phone. He goes, Mark, like, how's it going? Whatever. I was like, Oh, you know, good, good. And, and then he goes, you want to go to Slovakia? I was like still half asleep. Like what the, what did you just say? <laughs> so, um, once, once I kind of woke up a little bit, I was like, uh, like, yeah, like how do we make it happen? And then. I mean, after a pretty busy and stressful uh, 48 hours, I was on a flight out to Slovakia um, in a couple of days. So um, that was uh, pretty emotional, pretty emotional for my for my mom, especially, but my whole family, um, you know, like traveling across the world during a pandemic um, at, uh, by yourself at the age of 19. And then you had the diabetes on top of that. Um, it's, it's definitely an experience that, um, you know, not many other kids my age can, can say they have. So. Um, yeah, very fortunate for that. And, and I got to, at the end of the day, I got to do what I love and, and play hockey. And that was the main reason why I went. So how would you describe the game over there compared to the way it's played in North America? Are there big differences in the, uh, the style of the game on the ice? Yeah, it was definitely an adjustment. Um, my first game there, I, uh, I, I made a bad player. So I got caught out on the ice and made a bad pass and they ended up getting a pretty good scoring chance. They didn't score, but I, uh, I wasn't happy with, with the play that I made. And I just, after the goalie froze the puck, I, I turned around and smashed my stick off the glass. And the next thing I know, I'm having some ref blowing the whistle, yelling at me and, and tell me to go to the box for 10 minutes. I was like, like oh. what did I, what did I do? So my first game there, I got a 10 minute misconduct for, for getting a little too mad at myself, I guess. So that was a quick lesson to not do that. And then like, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's more of a skill game, I guess you could say. Cause I mean, my, my coach was, uh, was happy if I had like two or less minors in a game. So, um, that <laughs> was, it was an adjustment, not, not having to, to hit guys as much and, and that, but just even little things too. Like, you know, sometimes you see the game slow down so much, like, once somebody stops behind the net with the puck, like both teams just go for a wholesale. Like nobody's trying to forecheck or anything like that. It's just mm. like, whereas in, in, especially in the CHL, like you, you try to play the game at such a fast pace all the time, right? Like that's, that's how you make people make mistakes and everything. But it's like in Europe, it's like, you're just kind of letting the other team change and, and you know, have their line matches and everything. So it, it was definitely different, but at the end of the day, it's hockey, hockey, right? So um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. You know, we, we've heard a bunch of stories from people we've had on the podcast, too, about the atmosphere at hockey games in Europe. 
Like, were there many fans in the stands when you played? Because it was still a pandemic. Yeah, it, it was the even though I was playing hockey, um, the restrictions were honestly worse there than than here back in Canada at the time. Like, they had I think I don't know if it was eight or ten o'clock curfew. So like, I was pretty much going from my hotel room to the rink, and and that was about it. Like, I didn't really get to to see much of the town. Everything was closed down, like restaurant wise and. Um, it, it was a small town to begin with. So, I mean, there, there wasn't much to see. Like I would go for walks and, and see all the mountains and stuff. But I mean, like I didn't get to travel to any other cities or anything. Like you couldn't, you couldn't do that. Everything was locked down pretty much there as well. Um, but I, there, there was people in the building, but definitely not the, uh, the crazy, the crazy fan experiences that, that I had heard from my captain there. So he was the only guy that, that kind of spoke English on the team and he would tell me some pretty cool stories. So I wish I got to see that, but, um, you know, at least I got to play hockey. Do you think that experience helped to grow your game at all? Did you learn any new skills? To, to be a hundred percent honest, it opened up, um, you know, uh, another possibility for a future career. I mean, when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, my, my first couple of years in the league, I, I kind of thought of, you know, making the NHL as the end all be all. So, um, you know, having that opportunity while still building a teenager to go over there and just kind of have, um, almost a trial, I guess you consider it. You know, now I, I have thoughts of, you know, going, getting my school and then going to play in, in Europe professionally, or, you know, if, if I end up getting a pro offer, um, at the end of this season, like there, there's just so many possibilities to, to continue playing the game that you love. And um, it's, just, it's just all about what, what path is right for me as a person. I'm sure you learned a little bit about yourself too, right? As you said, you moved halfway around the world and you're already living with diabetes. Yeah, you, you grew up pretty quickly, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think, um, you know, uh, moving away from home, just an hour and a half down the highway to Guelph at 15, I thought was a big jump. And, and don't get me wrong. It was like, like not many kids get to do that, but um, yeah, halfway across the world um, was, was definitely an experience. Um, you know, I had a layover in Turkey before I ended up flying into, uh, into Slovakia and like trying to do that by myself. Like I was freaking out. Like I was like, am I going to get stuck in Turkey? Like, and then, like, on the way home, I, especially with COVID going on, right, like, I ended up, this, this is a funny story, actually, I almost, I almost got left in Germany on my way home because um, the COVID test had to be taken within 72 hours of departure. So I had that from my original flight, but I had a five-hour layover in Germany. So it was 73 hours oh. from my departure from Germany to Canada. So it's supposed to be from your departure for like to Canada, not from your original. So like I was one of the first to like get ready to go board and they're asking for your COVID test and you know, your passport and everything. And, and all of a sudden she asked me to like step to the side and they're calling the managers and everything. I'm like, I'm freaking out at this point. I'm like, I like, and I, I was stuck in a hotel room for the past two months. Like I was, I was excited to go home and see my family and, you know, I like, I almost, I almost broke down in tears, to be honest. I thought I was going to get stuck in Germany because of the goddamn COVID test. But, um, <laughs> I ended up fine. I am, I ended up weaseling my way onto the plane somehow. And, and 10 hours later, I was back on Canadian soil. Thank God. So, um, You're a charmer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I try my best. 
<laughs> How's it, how are your cooking skills? Would mom be proud or what? They're, they're not bad. I, I took a, a cooking class in high school before I moved away from home. And, uh, like I can cook. I think it's just the, do I want to cook mentality? Um, hasn't really settled in yet. Um, you know, how much, how expensive eating out is and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, once, once I'm truly on my own and, and not having, you know, billets make meals for me and, um, I was lucky when I was there in Slovakia, I was, I was hooked up with a restaurant that gave me all my food. Oh. So, so oh, see, I, you weren't making KD every night. Yeah, then, right? no, no. I, <laughs> I would just have, I would just have snacks and stuff and breakfast for like breakfast and stuff in my room. But like I got lunch and dinner provided every day. So, so I was pretty oh, fortunate with that as well, but you're laughing yeah, all the way. Uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely going to get a little bit of a wake-up call when uh, when I'm on my own for the first time for real. My tip, get a barbecue. That's the best thing you can ever do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. I, I can already guarantee that I'm going to be eating a lot of pasta once I'm cooking all my own meals. <laughs> Just turn turn the oven on, let the wa- the water boil, and then 10 minutes later, you're, you're eating. So. Can you believe it? You're playing in your final year in the OHL now? No, it's it's crazy. I mean, my my two roommates that I live with, they're uh, they're both rookies in '04 and in '05, and like I, I just when we're hanging out at the house, like I forget that I'm three four years older than them. Like it's it feels like I was just a rookie the other day, and um, you know it, it comes with its perks being an overager. Don't get me wrong, um, you know it's getting getting extra meals on the bus or you know getting first first seat whatever whatever the little things are but um it's it's definitely flown by and um you know they weren't lying when they told me you know my overagers told me when i was a rookie how fast it flies by and that junior is is the best years of your life so you got to cherish it and um yeah with with the time winding down it's 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 definitely starting to come into to more of a reality of you know what's next so um you know got got some Got some thinking to do and, um, you know, some some homework to do, but uh, we'll, we'll definitely figure it out and cross that path when we get to it. With uh, 13 rookies and then your roommates, uh, do you uh, feel like the wise old man, the old veteran on the team? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely for sure sometimes. I mean, same kind of thing as when I was a rookie, right? Like you, you just kind of be a, be a sponge and soak it all in. Like I'll, I tell I tell these guys, you know, stories that I was told as a rookie of just, you know, how, how the leagues changed and, you know, what things used to be like and, and how, how they are now. Um, but yeah, like they, they definitely, uh, you know, ask, ask their fair share of questions and, and I don't mind that at all. Like I love being there to help them. That's, that's kind of, you know, what I'm here for, right. Is to, to show them the ropes and, and, you know, so one day they can do the same thing for, for guys that are coming into the league when, when they're in my shoes. So um, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate to, to be chosen to, to be in a leadership role this year. And um, I try to do the best of that, uh, best of my ability every day at that. Do you feel like you might become a coach at some point in the future if you're liking it that much? Or If I'm being honest and honest, yeah. Um, I uh, when, Once I got traded here, I got really close with uh, – with our D coach Jordan Hill and, and he's a big role model of mine. And um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something that, uh, that I would be interested in doing when I'm older, just, just to stay involved in the game and 
to see how passionate, I mean, all three of our coaches are, um, you know, all they want is to see us move on to the next level. And, um, you know, if, if they can help us do that, then, you know, that, that means everything to them. So if I can, you know, be somebody, be, do something like that for somebody when I'm older, um, you know, that, that's something that I, I would definitely enjoy to do. Owen Sound Attack Captain Mark Woolley is our guest on For Future Considerations. He's also the answer to the trivia question about the player being traded to Owen Sound from the Guelph Storm, the team that drafted him as part of the deal that sent Nick Suzuki and Sean Dursey to the Storm. Do you remember that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's something that I'm, uh, that I'm never, never going to forget. Um, <laughs> I said no to the trade at, uh, at first, to be hundred percent honest. Um, I mean, you know, I was, I was a 17 year old kid. I was still in high school. Um, I was just kind of getting accustomed to, you know, being comfortable in the league, being in my second year. Um, just got back from, from an injury and, and was just, just starting to get, you know, kind of the minutes I was looking for. And, um, all of a sudden I was, I was driving home from, uh, from school actually with my one of my buddies who got traded here with me and we were getting ready to go play uh play a game in london which is it's just my hometown game so i was all pumped up and next thing i know i'm getting a call from my agent and uh he says to me like how would you feel about going to on town and i was like i don't know like it's, it's a lot different than guelph was was kind of how i thought of it and then um my buddy that was sitting beside me in the car when i was driving him home got a call from his agent at the exact same time and we looked at each other and we we're just like oh here we go so um the next the next 24 hours were definitely a bit of a whirlwind um my parents were on vacation actually in uh in mexico so i couldn't even talk to my parents you know with, with all this going on so i was uh pretty much just in contact with uh with my older brother and my girlfriend at the time you know trying to figure out what I was going to do with, with the next three years of my junior career. And, um, at the end of the day, I, I, I spoke with Dale DeGray and, and, uh, you know, he, he made Owen sound sound like a great, a great opportunity for me. And, um, you know, I, I'm very grateful that, you know, I ended up getting this opportunity because it's been nothing, but, uh, nothing but special to me. And, and Owen sound has a, a place in my heart for forever. That's for sure. That's what a lot of guys say. They're uh, a little bit hesitant when they get here, and then once they get here, they uh, really like the fans and like the town and like the environment that the uh, the attack provide. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I don't even think it was the idea of Owen Sound. Um, you know, when I said no, I, I think it was just more so um, the trade in general. Like, you know, I'm 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 just about getting ready to graduate high school. Um, I'm I'm starting to to play more in the league. I've I've just getting used to, you know, not, not sitting in the room all quiet, being a rookie. Like I was, you know, getting along with all the guys on the team and we had a strong team that year. We were winning lots of games. So, um, I, I think that it just kind of scared me and, and just kind of put me in a little bit of a shell shock. And, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, coming to town was the best thing I've done for my career. So, um, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. It was actually, uh, after the trade to Owen Sam that you started your nonprofit called Willie's Warriors in the summer of 2019 to help young athletes with type 1 diabetes, a disease you have. Let's talk about that. Why did you make that decision to start that nonprofit? Yeah, it's uh, so I've been living with diabetes since I was 12 years old. So, I mean, it's been a part of my life for a long time. And 
um, you know, once, once I had adapted to, to playing hockey with it and, um, you know, just having it in my everyday life, um, you know, when I got into the OHL, my captain at the time, Gary McFadden, um, he, he had just started a mental health organization called McFadden's Movement. And um, like I said, just when I, when I was a rookie, I, I wasn't really, um, I, was pretty, I was pretty quiet in the room. I was more seen than, than heard. And um, I, I just tried to be a, a sponge and, and soak it all in. And, um, you know, the, the leadership qualities that Garrett has, um, you know, not only as a hockey player, but as a person um, are outstanding. So he was somebody I really looked up to uh, as a young player in the league. And, um, you know, just seeing what, what he did with his platform in the OHL to, you know, to try and make change and, um, you know, just better the community really, really opened my eyes. Um, and then it was that, that following after my second season. So after I'd been traded to Owen Sound, um, my media lady, Steph Karate from Guelph, um, decided to, to reach out to me and just kind of to ask if, you know, that was something that I would be interested in because we had, we had briefly talked, you know, maybe, maybe I could do something like that in the future when I was still in Guelph and just out of nowhere, she texted me and I was like, like, yeah, absolutely. But like, where do we start? Like, I wouldn't, I would have no idea. And uh, she helps Garrett as well with, with McFadden's movement. So, um, you know, we just kind of brainstormed some ideas. And then the next thing you know, we were, we were launching Woolies Warriors in August. It's fantastic. Fantastic. For people who don't really know, like people generally know what diabetes is, but what do you have to do differently from other players when you're playing and managing your health and that kind of thing? What things are part of your routine that people may not know about or think about as a player with diabetes? Yeah, um, I mean, as a hockey player, it's not that different. Um, I mean, it is, but it isn't. Like, it's more of just my lifestyle in general. I mean, just the preparation that goes into it, um, the maturity that I think my diabetes gave me from from such a young age. Um, just you know, always always understanding that if you're not going to be taking care of your health, then you know you could be putting yourself in serious danger. Um, so uh, for me, it's just just making sure I'm I'm eating a good diet, um, testing my blood regularly, um, you know. And, and that's about it, to be honest. Like as long as, long as I'm monitoring my blood and, and staying within range, like that's that's all it is. And other than that, I'm I'm just any old any other kid playing hockey. So um, it definitely has its its difficulties. Some days are harder than others for sure. But um, yeah, for the most part, I, I just I go out there and I do what I love to do every day. That's great that you're that disciplined. I know. There was another prominent OHLer who played with diabetes. Did you get a chance to talk to Max Domi about about his disease? Yeah, yeah. So this is a cool story as well. Um, he, I mean, I've always looked up to Max. He's, I, I watched him playing for the Knights um, when I was younger, going to the Knights games. And, you know, yeah, he he was such a role model for me, just showing, you know, that it's it's possible to – you know, follow your dreams, even though, um, you know, you have diabetes. And, and one of the things I really try to emphasize with kids when I talk to them, um, you know, when I bring them in for Willie's Warriors games is, you know, don't let your diabetes define you. Like, yeah, I have diabetes, but that's, that's not who I am. Like, there's a lot more to me than, than my pancreas not working. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I never had met Max until this past year, actually. 
Um, I read his book and everything and um, related to that really well. I thought he did a really good job with that, but he uh, he's in Columbus and I ended up going to the Blue Jackets camp this year. So um, that was, that was a pretty cool experience. Um, I got injured in my first game against the Leafs at the, at the rookie tournament in Traverse. Um, but they decided to keep me around for main camp and, and just kind of rehabilitated me there. Um, so, but Max was just coming back from surgery in the off season as well. So, uh, me and Max got to skate every day together for about two weeks. Um, and the first couple of days I was, I was pretty shy and, and didn't really say anything to him, but, um, you know, after like the third or fourth day, I, I had asked him just something about his diabetes and then we just, we kind of got talking and, um, yeah, just, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, just getting to hear his story and kind of see how he deals with things. And, um, yeah, he was, he was giving me some tips and stuff and, but yeah, definitely something I'll, uh, I'll never forget. And then what you've done with uh, well, these Warriors has been incredible. Like two years ago when you last had the OHL season, you raised over $40,000 for Diabetes Canada. That's uh, pretty impressive. Did you see that uh, happening when you first started out? No, no, that was, uh, that was crazy. And that just goes to show, um, you know, how, how special Owen Sound is to me. Um, first off, you know, how supportive the fan base is here. Um, and then how much of a, a tight knit community it is. Like it's, it's such a family here in Owen Sound, and um, you know that they really showed me that with uh, with that. But no, I, I I think we had a goal of like five six thousand dollars when we first launched to uh, to send like one or two kids to D camp in the summer, and then um, twelve months later we were donating forty grand. So yeah, it's uh, it definitely blew my mind away, and I think I blew it blew a lot of other people's minds away as well. But um, you know, very, very fortunate for that and very appreciative for all the people who, who show continuous support. That's fantastic. What are D camps for those people who don't know? Um, so basically it's, it's just uh, summer camps for, for kids with diabetes up in Muskoka. I think it's Muskoka. Um, and I, I don't know what the age range is. Um, I was never, I never got to go to one when I was a kid. I, I wish I did, but um basically kids just go go to any other summer camp um you know have fun out in the in the woods you know on the lake um all types of stuff like that but you're you're surrounded by kids who you know have diabetes just like you so um you know just having that that sense of normalcy i think um is very important for those kids and you know um, especially for kids when they first get diagnosed, like I was, I was very shy about it and, and really, really always trying to hide, you know, whenever I was testing my blood or giving an insulin shot. So, um, you know, at those D camps, you, you're just like everybody else, right? Like you're all, you're all the same there. So, um, you can learn from each other. You can, you know, talk to each other about, um, you know, thoughts you might have or, or anything. And, but, but you're also having, getting the opportunity to meet, you know, lifelong friends, um, so it's definitely something really special and that's, that's why I chose, uh, chose that program to, to donate the money towards. And then later this month, you and the Owen Sound Attack have something special planned again. Uh, can you tell us about the game on February 26th against the Guelph Storm? Yeah, so, um, we, we did one of these in the past, um, two years ago and, um, basically it's, it's just Woolies Warriors night, um, same as same as it was before, but um, we're we're trying to to up it a little bit. So this year we're wearing uh, wearing custom Wally's Warriors jerseys that uh, we're we're pretty excited about. I've 
I've shown all the boys in the room what the what the design is, and they all seem pretty pumped to uh, to throw those on for that game. So that's that's awesome to have the support from them like that. And um, but I, I we haven't we haven't had everything set um, set in stone yet, just because of of how often things are changing with the government and everything. Um, but either an online or in person silent auction with a whole bunch of items, um, signed jerseys, um, stained glass things that my grandmother had made uh quilts my grandmother's made very cool um i think there's going to be some some ticket packages for you know maybe leaf games in the future um and then we're going to do uh an auction for the the jerseys afterward um you know and and whether that's online or in person it is still yet to be determined but um i think there's going to be a puck toss as well and and pretty much just just a fun night um you know for, for a good cause and um, hopefully we can uh, make some make some money to send some kids to to camp in the summer. Yeah, sounds like a great event. February twenty sixth against Guelph at the Bayshore. Go to attackhockey.com, especially closer to the date, and you can find out more information on how you can support this great cause. You know, uh, last few questions here for Mark, and and you've been fantastic, Mark. I know you always talk about being shy, but I haven't I haven't got one bit that you're shy in the interview. It's been great. You know, when you think about your future, this being your last year in the OHL, how much more hockey do you want to play knowing that you continue to live with diabetes? Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's something that, um, you know, it's, it's thoughts I never thought I would really have to think about to, to be honest. Like when I, like I was talking about earlier, like I, if I was like just yesterday, I was a 16 year old in this league. Um, so to, to be in my last year and, and, you know, have to figure out what I'm going to do next year is, is a little bit scary to be completely honest. Um, but I've, I've been in contact with, um, with lots of schools and, and if I end up going the school route, I'm, I'm probably going to end up going out East somewhere and in the Halifax area. Um, just, just cause I want to, I mean, the hockey's great out there to begin with, but, um, just to get that different experience and see a different part of Canada, um, you know, I've, I've, I've traveled across Ontario enough with, uh, with my time in the OHL. So it'll be cool to, uh, to go see a different part of Canada and, um, you know, live, live, live by myself. So, um, but I mean, obviously the goal is, is still to, to try and earn a pro contract here and, um, you know, hopefully be playing, uh, in the American league next year. But, um, yeah, who knows if, if that doesn't happen, then, um, hopefully just just get my my degree at uh, at school and maybe end up going to Europe or who knows what'll happen after that I just kind of kind of play it by year right now um future future career possibilities i mean i've uh i've always wanted to be a firefighter i i took a firefighter co-op here in Owen Sound um like we mentioned earlier i mean i'd love to stay involved in the game and and potentially get into coaching um but yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure what the future holds for me and uh, just kind of play it by year as of right now. Well, you still have lots of hockey this year, right, John? Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, oh, um, yeah. how do you think the attack are going to do in the uh, second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's no secret that we have a young team here, but, um, you know, we, we, play, we play attack hockey and attack hockey hasn't changed um, for as long as I've been in the league. I mean... I, I always hated coming into the Bayshore and, you know, getting 
getting bullied around into those boards, you know, the small rink. Um, so we, we, we are defined by outworking teams and, um, you know, if it takes a couple dirty, dirty goals to get the win, um, you know, that's, that's something that we're not shy of. So, um, it's lots, lots of hockey. I mean, we have, we have 14 games in February and 28, 28 day months. So lots of hockey be played here in the second half. And, uh, I mean, hopefully, hopefully the boys can, uh, get something rolling here and, and, uh, we'll be, have some, uh, have some momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah. You epitomize attack hockey. You're big, you're strong. Like you're doing the bullying now at the Bay shore, right? You're pushing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the, the conversations I I specifically remember having with my agent when I got the call about coming here was, you know, like that's the Bayshore is your rink. Like you're going to go in there and you're going to make that your arena. Like nobody else is going to want to come in there. Um, and I mean, I, I've tried my best to do that. I think, uh, um, you know, I, I try, I try to play a hard, clean game. So, um, yeah, I, I I love the Bayshore, and that's that's pretty much all there is to it. That's that's my rank. Mark, I got to tell you, bud, we tried to get dirt on you from people around the Owen Sand attack. They all spoke glowingly about you and made me sick. In fact, they even asked your old buddy, Andrew Parrott, for something. <laughs> and he texted me and said, ask him about the time his shot from the blue line ended up in the middle of the mesh above the net. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that one. What's that uh, about? That one is something that Perry's never gonna let me forget. He'll he'll bring that up <laughs> at my wedding, for God's sake. We were uh, <laughs> we were. I don't even remember who we were playing, but it was a game in the Bayshore, and me and Perry were D partners pretty much, you know, ever since we became teammates. Um, and I I miss him, um, but uh, he's he's chasing a championship with Windsor now, so. Um, good for him, and then hopefully, you know, they have they have a bunch of success, um, and, and he has individual success as well because I know he will. Um, but yeah, he went D to D to me on the blue line in the second period of a game, and uh, I think the the puck ended up going up on its side or something, and I went to take a shot on that, and it was it was nowhere near the net like at all, like <laughs> you know where you know where the scouts stand in Owen Sound, like up in that corner yeah. of the stairway. Yeah. Yeah, somehow I ended up shooting the puck into like it would have hit a scout if the meshing wasn't there. Like I was like a hundred feet from hitting the net, so um, and it didn't get deflected or anything. It went straight out. So that was uh, yeah, that was definitely an embarrassing moment. And you know, I had to be the do the typical hockey player, flex the stick. You know, blame it on the stick. It wasn't my fault. But, of course. <laughs> well, it was the pass too, right? If the if the puck had been flat, it yeah, would have been exactly, fine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but that's uh, that's that happened. That happened the year I got traded here, and uh, <laughs> yeah, obviously three three years later, and Perry's not letting me hear the end of it. So, uh. <laughs> oh, that's great, uh, Mark Willie. It's been a lot of fun. Tell us, tell us how, again how people can support Willie's Warriors. Yeah, um, you know, just. I think the main thing behind it is just kind of spreading that awareness. So, I mean, if, if it's as simple as, you know, following us on our social media pages and, and just giving a retweet or a like or whatever it is, just, to, you know, the main reason we started it was because not many people know much about diabetes. Um, and then unless they have somebody in their family or, or in their life that, that has it. So um, simple as, something as simple as that. And 
Um, you can find out more information about Woolies Warriors at, uh, at WooliesWarriors.com. And there's ways to donate there or just ways to get involved in general. So, um, yeah, we, we appreciate all the support we can get. Well, Mark, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at the rink really soon. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me very much. I, I appreciate it. Our thanks again to Mark Woolley of the Owen Sound Attack for joining us to talk about his career and his nonprofit called Woolley's Warriors. And they raise awareness and support for young athletes living with type 1 diabetes. Yeah, you can support Mark's cause by going online to WooliesWarriors.com and clicking on that big old donate button. And the Owen Sound Attack are also holding a special game towards the end of February to honor Mark and his charity. So go to attackhockey.com and you can learn how you can cheer on Mark and the team right there. Great speaker, Mark. That's fantastic. And glad that he was able to join us on the show. Remember, you can follow us on social media for more great debate and more great content. Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram and for future considerations on Facebook. I'm surprised that we haven't gotten an email yet for Kiefer, but if you do have any comments that uh, you want to pass along, uh, Kiefer included, you can send questions, comments, topics. What are your three favorite pies? What do you think of that that last song we had on Pump It or Dump It the weekend and Post Malone? For future considerations at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, to the OT. Enjoy the All-Star Weekend and some of those new uh, skills competitions. And stay tuned for the next edition of Four Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their MO for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career, probably the worst. It's garbage, and the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.